Cool. I'm Michael cool. Knowles here to tell you that Rules for Retrogrades, the book and the show, are out now, and you absolutely need to check it out before the Thought Police confiscate all of it and lock you away. What's up, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades? Tim and Dave Gordon here bringing you another exciting episode of Rules for Retrogrades. We're back with our friend Jason Jones, and he's out of jail <laughs> after last week. He had a horrific, unprecedented jail stint last week in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I'm joking, it's not unprecedented. You've been in jail lots of times before. <laughs> That's your intro bio today, Jason. What's up? Hey, by the way, I think the best part of this interview is already over. I think before when we were just, Done. you were checking the uh, levels and we were talking about shampoo bottles and making mom jokes, but no, I am out of jail and, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, not unprecedented, but, you know, four hours, it wasn't that bad. I've survived. I did regret doing that show with you talk, uh, going after anti-Semites. I thought maybe a Nazi gang would jump me while I was in there. A Hawaiian, Hawaiian, yeah, Nazi gang. Well, I was like, that's oh, actually common. Uh, everyone fortunately, who comes on our show. Uh, fortunately, I was like, oh no, I just was on rules for retrogrades going after anti-Semites. What if there's a Nazi gang in there? But uh, in, jail? Not, in the in jail, jail, I was really yeah. worried. I was like, ah, I wish I'd have done that episode next week. But no yeah. more American History X for you. Jay. No, that yeah, no, I did not, not. I did not get jumped while I was in there by an alt-right gang because of my appearance on your show last week. <laughs> Oh, the funny thing is, the alt-right doesn't have tough, like, Nazi gangs, as in American History X. They just have gangs of uh, Anon, uh, basement-dwelling keyboard nerds, <laughs> that don't know how to lift weights. So, yeah, no I, I get you. Yeah. Jason, the first question I have for you is, is the food as bad as they say? No, I, I wasn't even there long enough to eat, but it was funny because that was their threat. When I, they, I rolled up, some guy came in, and he was... You know, you're not going to get a blanket, and uh, you're not going to have cheese on your sandwich. And I'm like, bro, I was an infantryman. I don't I don't need your blanket, and I'm not going to eat your food. So Was he hell, a Hollywood I'm, director? Because that keto. sounds like something that a, a cop would say. I'm keto. I said I can't eat your sandwich. No, I uh, I don't know why he said it. I think he, <laughs> I think he thought I was somebody else that had insulted him in the past because he came back later and apologized. And I don't know if that's just because he realized I was a writer. Because they were like, I could see them on their phones. I didn't give them my name until the march was over because I wanted as many police officers stuck at the station waiting to process me as possible. Yeah. So I was going to wait till the, the event was over. And, t and then that's what I did. Then I told them who I was. And so they just kept me for three hours in the car. But uh, then later on, after I saw them reading my articles in their phones, he came back and said, bro, I thought you were someone else. Sorry for being a jerk. And I was a jerk to him because... I said, you're not a bad man. You're not a good man. You're just like every other police officer who um, was a sock, pocket, a sock puppet for tyrants and dictators that did all the horrible crimes of the 20th century. I, I, no hard feelings. So I'm sure I, you like that. Then I apologize, you know, for calling him a sock puppet. 
Just you yeah. put it that way. Yeah. No, like, they actually threaten you with, that, you're, with a, like, American cheese. Like, you're not going to get a radioactive orange uh, piece, slice of cheese on your sandwich. No, really. You're like, like that that really is you're a regular in jail. You probably look forward to cheese. I don't know. I just, I did think it was strange. Especially was- because as I was sitting in the back of this car, handcuffed, we were we were already planning a barbecue, so I was thinking, okay, I'll be out of here in a couple hours. I was like, I can't. I was just daydreaming about barbecue for a bit and a cold <laughs> beer. And I'm thinking, brother, it's not going to get to the cheese sandwich. We're not going that far. You know that, right? This is not. I will not be in here long enough for your sandwich. But yeah. Also, in a country that's war torn and divided by race, can we just say that's a racist comment? Taking a, a very white man like Jason Jones, and making it about American cheese. It's, yeah, it's he, racist. He, I, would, no I, would have cried, I would have cried racism, but he was white. Ah, that sucks. It sucks when someone that's arrested is being arrested by their own race so they can't make it uh, a more interesting, zesty uh, narrative, right? You needed, yeah. It's a whole the thing. The of the persecuted white man in America. Yeah, no, it, no. it's a real it's a real issue jason so you're a pro-life guy that, that's yeah. that's your main claim to fame what has the uh covid protest got to do with pro-life i think it's i think it's an interesting connection yeah it might not necessarily have to do anything for life for a lot of people i mean there's a lot of aspects to this but i'm glad you asked that question because i was there because of my commitment to the vulnerable i woke up like today it's very early my time and so I get up around 4 a.m. I was up at 4 a.m. working on famine and uh, hunger issues in Africa. So that was a very long, hard day. I had interviewed the United States ambassador to the UN food programs that morning. I was working on an article and did not want to go to this protest. I even said to my wife, I said, you know, I'm not going to let them speak. She, she's like, let's just get in and get out because we invited some friends over for a barbecue. She said, let's, let's just get in. I said, I don't even want to go. If my name wasn't on that Facebook page, the Reopen Hawaii Facebook page, I wouldn't even go. I'm yeah. so exhausted. So let's get in and get out. I said, but the real reason I was going, I wish I could tell you, was because of my commitment to the Constitution, which I have, and my you know uh, just gratefulness for the Bill of Rights. But that's not why I was there. I was there because I believe that this lockdown is a farce. And it is going to lead to hundreds of millions of the most vulnerable people in the world, migrants, people in conflict zones, in the Horn of Africa, across the Middle East, into India and Bangladesh. We're going to see hunger. David Beasley of the UN uh, World Food Program, who's really there, I believe, probably because he's loyal to Trump and they still want U.S. money. He's been doing a great job. But he came out and said, we can already see upwards of 130 million deaths from famine already because of the shutdown. This is what's going to happen. And because of normalcy bias and because, you know, like Jim Gaffigan says, you know, Jim Gaffigan has a joke where he says, I haven't been hungry in 20 years. Most of us don't know what it's like to be hungry. And, you know, as a kid, I I remember I would go a day or two sometimes and my mom, you know, my mom was a teen parent. Where I remember when I read To Kill a Mockingbird, and they would drink water to kill their hunger pains. That's the one thing I remember from that book, because that's what me and my brother would do. That's not even really hunger. You know, that's not hunger. That's you didn't eat for a day or two. Um, But real hunger 
is something we know nothing about, but it's a reality. It was the number one killer of the 20th century, and it's still the biggest killer in the world. So uh, it's hard for us to believe or even understand. Right. And, and I was there also not only for my concern for the vulnerable around the world. I urgently want, wanted to, to escalate these lockdown events to a boiling point to force our governors to open the state so we can begin feeding the world, not only for the world, but when we hear people say things like we read in Drudge Report every day, maybe we should be locked down for 18 months, or maybe we should be locked down until there's a vaccine. Do you know Two what years. that means, yeah. Gordon Brothers? Do you know what that means? That means my friends, my family, my neighbors will starve in Hawaii. We are the furthest place in the world from any place in the world. As we see food contract, food production and distribution contract, as we see the um, transportation logistics system break down, as Hawaii is approaching 35% unemployment, okay, after 18 months, guys, we're going to be, we're just going to have government, federal government employees. That's about it. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean? We'll have the less money, no money. Food will be very expensive and hard to get to us. And people aren't going to be letting food get out of their communities. So the further you get from the farms, the further you're going to get from food. And you don't get, there's no place further in the world than Hawaii. So I was there for Hawaii. I was there for hunger. I was there for the people, uh, the children in the Kibera slums. I wrote an article at John's Merrick a couple of weeks ago saying there's no pro-life position on COVID. There is. At this point, there clearly is. To continue to support the shutdown is to directly advocate a policy that will starve the most vulnerable in the world. There's no way around that. But That's Jason, what I like about your vulnerability in the you know preferential option for the vulnerable in the place of the preferential option for the poor, which is Marxist, is what you said last time you were on really stuck with me. I was talking to my wife about it driving around in the car the other day. It's great. Everyone's vulnerable, right? And everyone, there's a vulnerability to the contingent nature of employment. What we all need jobs, 99% of us. We're not independently wealthy. That's great. I, I love what you're saying about, you know, third world, uh, trickle down third world effects of the uh, forced COVID lockdown. But it's government enforced unemployment. And, and it's unprecedented in the history of the world. And it's unexplained in the history of COVID, even over these few months, it's like Dave was just saying before we rolled ta uh, tape, why not quarantine only pre-existing condition people in over 70s, right? The people that are uh, susceptible to this. Everyone else is far less susceptible to it than the common flu or, or, or maybe not susceptible, but the effects, the danger of serious health detriments seem to be less for under 50s uh, who don't have pre-existing conditions. It's government-enforced unemployment. And we're just seeing the beginning now. What is it, 35 million and counting? It's going to really take hold in June and July. So why all, take, of us, yeah. all of us. Why take any steps? If you're the government, why would you step in and shut down the whole economy, shut out the whole economy, cripple everybody, hamstring everybody, when you could just be taking the vulnerable people, the most vulnerable, and sheltering them. It doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it's just we're victims of groupthink here um, or if there's, I don't know, if people are trying to make hay out of this crisis and to fundamentally transform America 
to transform the world economy. I don't know. I, I'm not one to, to be on the conspiracy theories, but for whatever reason, people have their heads up their butts about this. You know, it went from two weeks, where let's have 15 days where everybody stays away, to now we're looking at like 15 months where everybody has to be shut down and, and can't go into work. It's nuts. It's nuts. Well, correction. No, in when so on, uh, whatever it is, October eighteenth, twenty nine, uh, or was it October twelfth? Whatever event two hundred one was uh, with uh, Bill and Melinda Gates and um, Johns Hopkins and a couple other globalist organizations that said there's a there's a, um, a coming coronavirus type outbreak uh, pandemic. I mean pandemic, right? It's coming. And we want to tabletop exercise this, see what we would do. They're essentially wargaming it, right? Before there's, you know, yeah, it's, before there's it's spooky. It's spooky. And what did they say? What has Bill Gates said since before the outset of this? When he's in Fauci said there will be a coronavirus surprise sometime in the middle of the uh, Trump presidency. They said 18 months, 18 months lockdown. So at the beginning, the media was all pushing it really hard. They wanted the 18 months lockdown. Bill Gates is not off of it yet. They still want it, even though... And he says with this weird smile. Yeah. He, every time he advocates, he's get this, like, man, this is creepy smile. And you're like, dude, that smile. <laughs> that's his normal look. He's that's not... Publicists are like, hey, when you say 18-month lockdown, stop it with the creepy smile right when you're done. <laughs> yeah. And don't cackle like Dr. <laughs> Evil either. No, but yes. here, I don't, I don't buy into the the event 201 stuff just because you could predict that there's a possibility of this certain type of virus having an outbreak in the future doesn't mean that some invisible hand evil criminal organization is behind the release of this virus SARS was a coronavirus MERS is a coronavirus so of course people and these were two deadly outbreaks that we had in the world that we were able to contain so of course people are like well, yeah, the next outbreak is probably going to be a coronavirus of some kind. And we're well, seeing them punctuated every six years, so that puts us right in the middle of the Trump administration. Every two years. That's, every two years we get a coronavirus. It's always in... Yeah, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just going to say... There's a lot of evidence. Yeah, whether it is or isn't, it, it to me doesn't matter. And that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, I'll plug it, The Race to Save Our Century. It was to advocate principles. As a young man in my 20s, I was into conspiracy theories behind totalitarian regimes, then I realized it doesn't really matter. There are just principles we can advocate that shut it down, whether it's a conspiracy or not. And whether it's a pandemic or an inappropriate response to a pandemic, they're going to starve hundreds of millions of people. Sure, and so sure. we need to pull power back to the local communities to make sure they can open up their economies and, and they, can feed their, they can feed their people. Uh, I think that's that's the real concern, right? Like we need to open up the global economy. We need to start farming in Kenya and other in India. People are fleeing the farms; they're scared. Uh, even the United States. I mean, people are afraid to go to work. And uh, I had to go to a doctor for an appointment here, and it was a bit of a complicated procedure. And the doctor couldn't do what he needed to do. He had to do it, but he he didn't have any help, and because he said, I, "I got this." And I don't want to say what kind of doctor, I don't want to get him in trouble. But he, he said, yeah, no, none of my workers will come in because they're so afraid. And we have people who are afraid to go into food processing plants in the United States. Now imagine you're in India, you're in Bangladesh, you're in Kenya. In Kenya, they have these very draconian rules. 
So people are afraid to get caught after curfew, so they just go home hours early. So they're working four hours less a day on the in the fields. This is this is going to lead this is going to lead to famine, and it's it's horrifying. But I want to back up a second. Definitely not not discounting any of that, uh, endorsing all of that that you're saying, Jason. But there there are a couple really really big things here. Um, so regarding the the allegation of pandemic, the the new documentary is called that. We didn't just coin that term. I wish we were that clever. With Dr. Judy Mikovits, there's a lot of damning stuff there. A lot of really damning stuff. But what what Dave, uh, my uh, misled brother there is saying that's that's really way off the tracks is it's pretty obvious october 18th 2019 they have this event 201 event the tabletop conclusion involves shutdown for 18 months sars mers all those other um coronaviruses which are also there's also lots of lots of shady facts surrounding those and their ideologies uh the, the the prescription was shut down 18 months. We didn't have those with SARS and MERS. So it would be really strange, you know, and I'm squinting as I say strange, is to, to, to predict that. We never, that was absolutely unprecedented in the history of the world. Then you jump to all of the doctors that are getting off board with this. Um, and you say, I mean, all of them, all the smartest ones, the smartest two doctors I've ever met in my life. And I said this, um, seven, eight years ago when I met them, are doctors Arden Masihi and Dr. Dan Erickson, who I, I know here in Bakersfield. Always was impressed with them. I'm usually the guy that's unimpressed with doctors in terms of their, their critical capacities for, for crunching data in front of them. I'm always like, I, I'm having to tell you things three times. Those guys yeah, are they're sure. usually like just, they've, they're like products of an industry. They just mouth. Yes. Mill. It's Slow. mill. Yeah. We, we went to, me and Dave went to law school. Med school works like that. I'm, it, it's just mills. They, and they don't, they don't think. They're drones. These are the two smartest doctors I've ever met. And so when they come out and they say that and then they get pounced on. I'm trying to, trying to contact them. I, I'm sure they have a press blitz right now. Because um, I do know them. I, I homeschool my kids in the same group as uh, Erickson. I used to. I want to get them on the show. You see how they were responded, and they have some doctors saying, we're getting the same thing. What is it? Um, $9,000 for doctors. This is coming down from WHO, from uh, national, uh, um, United States national groups uh, in the Fed saying, yeah, in Medicare, you'll get $9,000 if you call this thing uh, a COVID death, even when it's not. You'll get whatever thirty five thousand for putting them on on ventilators, even if you didn't see the diagnostic need for this as a doctor. And they're being crushed, and the videos are being pulled off YouTube. And again, a eighteen month shutdown was prescribed before this thing began. That's not that precedent. makes sense though, because it ta- that's eighteen months. Now, I disagree with it, obviously, as I just am on record saying that's stupid. You can you can. Um, kind of shield the vulnerable instead of shutting down an entire economy for 18 months. But you can see how one arrives at the 18 months number. For one, because it takes a certain amount of time, 10 to 12 months to develop a vaccine, and then it takes a further six months or so to implement the vaccine and get people 
get most of the world Why would population to be vac- vaccinated against something that's going to kill because it kills people and it kills no. people with pre-existing conditions. But going it's on, and the fact that you, there might be um, a... Well, nevertheless, the fact that there might be... we I don't know. I don't know that. I've heard speculation... But it, it definitely kills about ten times more old people than the common flu. Yeah. But moving on That's to this other right. thing, following the money doesn't necessarily work, you guys, because there might be other reasons why people are inflating the numbers of deaths due to coronavirus, like to get grants. The same reason people are, are tinkering with global warming numbers, because they know that this climate change research gets That's them grants. So they have a financial um, motive motivation to try and inflate coronavirus numbers because they're going to get government grants. So that doesn't mean that they're inflating the numbers because they're part of a worldwide conspiracy. It just means people want money, perhaps, and that is something that happens. Yeah. yeah, but you haven't watched the Mike of its video. You haven't watched doc- Drs. Erickson and, and uh, Masihi's video. I mean, you, you got to just you got to deal with their facts before you start impugning them. That's that's a big no-no. I haven't seen videos on how yeah, the moon guys, landing was staged, but I can impugn that. Sorry, Jason, go ahead. We landed on the moon? <laughs> no, we didn't, Dave says. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, it's a joke. No, he so, yeah, no, I know. So um so I want I want to say first of all, I think it can be planned. And look, it's Bill Gates is a creepy guy. What he's been doing in Africa in the nineties, I was you know, my two goals when I graduated college were to lift the global ban on DDT and end abortion. The global ban on DDT killed half a billion people in Africa and Asia. Yeah. Bill Gates was behind that. That Just Nets campaign was absurd. No, Wait, that was uh, Gates? Gates and his money was behind the Just Nets campaign. Wasn't um, it Fauci too? Gates yeah. and Fauci are like yeah. thick and like this. Say, man. Just They're Nets. Evil. No, what about chloroquine? What about DDT? There are a lot, you know, and Nets too. Let's use Nets too. And and his population control rhetoric. When, when half the time he spends his life telling us how we need to reduce the global population to 400 million people. And then the other half of the time he tells us he's trying to save everyone, take my shot. I'm kind of like, right. I don't want your shot. That's called but, a conflict of interest. Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. But I will say this. I think there's another reason why people aren't standing up to this rhetoric. And I got to experience it. You know, last week when I was, there was a picture of me front page above the fold. I made a FaceTime live where I was pretty heated with the police. I don't know if you saw it, but I was, right. some would say I was, um, a jerk and others would say I was passionate. I lean towards I was a jerk. Uh, I say you're a passionate jerk, but go on. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but but oh. I, I did get very angry and lose my cool when I saw the cordon coming to us and I went to them and put a camera in their face and said, you would have arrested Anne Frank. Your name is this, your badge name is that, and you're going to embarrass your family for generations. And I went down the line. You know, I didn't have to do it like that. And I was pretty aggressive. We're going to put that in this video if we can. <laughs> but yeah, it's out there. So it went viral on a, um, an Instagram page in Hawaii. And I'm telling you, I think like 7,000 comments, you know, most of them racist um, against me. And so all my kids and, their, and my older kids, especially their friends and my cousins and nieces and nephews who are every ethnicity of Hawaii is in my family um, or uncle. They were so upset. But I really was grateful for the, you know, I was not upset. I recognize it's basically this Instagram page is like homeroom class and the principal and the teacher didn't show up. You know, remember what that was like? 
right. those kind of comments. And but but what it let me kind of experience, as I said, this is like what happens when you stand up to the mob. Right. And yeah. they've created a mob, and I'm at this protest because I don't want my neighbors to starve. That's really why I was there. And I don't want people in Africa to starve. And the fruit of that was, first of all, I was literally handcuffed and shoved in a car by people with guns on their waists and then locked in a cell. And then I was released to literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people making fun of me, mocking me. But that's such a beautiful thing, right? When you get past that, Marcus Aurelius said, you know, whether the, the, the entire world cheers you, you on or boos you, it should impact you not at all. And, I, and I'm grateful to say it did not impact me at all. It actually it was like a learning experience. Wow, this is like a math equation. You stand with the vulnerable against the right. mob. Right. You're handcuffed, shoved in a car, and the mob berates you. Right. And so that's just what it is. So how many doctors, isn't it a shame how few doctors have stand? We can name the doctors that are standing up, the scientists. Every doctor in my life, Gordon Brothers, has done this. Hey. This is a big scam. This right. is a joke. Right. Why don't you say something about it? I convinced my one of my friends to yeah, grow it's and that's what Gerard, I'm going back, I always bring up Gerard. Gerard says when you stand in solidarity with the vulnerable, you become as, as vulnerable as they do. But as the solidarity spreads like a contagion, the vulnerable cease to become vulnerable. Right. And then you cease to become vulnerable. So for those of us who are there's going to come a time where the, 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 the silly advocates of this lockdown are going to become the ones that are scapegoated and attacked. And there will be a scapegoat. So. Yeah, there will be There are going to be people after this who are, you know, we're developing a documentary on this called Hell to Pay, where we're going to sort of find out who is responsible for these knucklehead policies right. and how did this all happen. We're going to do an autopsy on this response to Corona and it's what it caused. And how and how did we get to a place where we're think about this? You you, you talked about um, Dave. The eighteen months makes sense. Well, how come they never mention food security, civil disorder, unemployment? How come our media never talks about food security, civil disorder, unemployment, depression? That that's that's again where you point to conspiracy. It's right. as if they don't have an authentic concern for public health and safety, that there's something more to this. Or they're just, sure. they have blinders on and they're dumb as rocks, and I don't know which it is. Well, the unemployment. Uh, I didn't, I don't, I'm not for the 18 months. I'm just saying, I can see where they're getting, if you were a Bill Gates type and a reactionary to this type of thing, I can see where you're getting the 18 month figure from. I just, and you guys. I hope it's been clear that I'm in no way supportive of that because that's draconian and uncalled for, and it's going to inflict needless damage on exactly what Jason's talking about, people's lives, the economy, which is going to, the, the cure, the quote cure, is far going to outweigh this severity of this actual stupid virus. So just to clarify, Tim, I know you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified. That wasn't clear to me at all. But, uh, yeah, the... Unemployment, even Jason, in your list of three there, that are the three factors, uh, ramifications of the COVID-19 scam lockdown, that 
is most certain. We have a saying in law from Judge Learned Hand, B is less than PL. The burden to make a change on the party is less than the probability of the loss times the size of the loss. And, and he, you have to kind of assign figures and quantify that. But it's a great way to do uh, um, fact balancing for all life, not just for torts, which is what it, you know people use it in torts reform. The, if you run B is less than PL, with regard to the, the COVID scam lockdown, it it's ridiculous how blown out of the water uh, the the burden on P is. You need to write that for the stream. Can you do that for me? Yeah, sure. I'd love to write. I, I think that's something that people need to have. To yeah, share. I'll write. I'll write that early next week. I'm I'm finishing up something for American Mind on our friends Jason the Integralists. Um, you know, in, in the Vermeule article and all that. I got to finish that today. But yes, I will. Yes, I will. Because B is less than PL. The unemployment interests me more than even the other two factors, you know, a civil unrest and then the, the ramifications on, on the third world, because the unemployment is the most certain. I mean, every one of my friends that owns a restaurant, a bar, a small business, chapter 11, or seriously flirting with it right now, 100%. Businesses can't, small and middling businesses, I'm talking about the middle businessman right now, the, the main blockage between uh, the globalists who own these big corporations and total world domination are the middle level business owners. They, and of course all the small business owners, are guaranteed to be forced out of business by this. The media won't touch it. I mean, it's just like, yeah, we're, we're talking about you're not allowed to go to, you'll go to prison if you go to work or people come frequent your establishment for the next 18 months. Who can withstand that? Not one business on one business model, unless you're just independently wealthy and you run a business that you don't run for profit, right? Well, you know, it's, it's forced unemployment. Well, what's sad about that too, Tim, is like, you know, most entrepreneurs or, or small business owners, they're not prudent or practical people. These guys have taken home equity loans. They've poured them into their business to make payroll at times. I've done that for my nonprofit. I am still paying off a $150,000 home equity loan I took to support my nonprofit. Things have been going good. We've got it down to like less than 50, and then now this happens. So I, I am very mindful, and I have a lot of friends that are small business owners. And then my banker friends are like, you should have never done that to begin with. Yeah, yeah that's what entrepreneurs do. Right. They look at their business, they look at their payroll, and they go, honey, we're gonna get a home equity loan. And so we're looking at they're going to lose their business. They're going to lose their home. Could, this leads to marriages breaking up. This leads to children's childhoods being destroyed. Yeah, no one thinks about this. I had a really well-meaning person. So after this Instagram page, I'm being attacked by the world and in Hawaii, called every name in the book. And somebody who was on this Instagram page sent me a very nice personal message and said, I know the reason you were there is because you're worried about your family. I lost my job last year, but we have WIC and we have food stamps and we have unemployment and we're on welfare now, I think he said. And it's okay. You know, we're surviving. You'll survive too. I'm thinking, this guy was trying to comfort me. Like, don't worry. You can get a government <laughs> yeah. check. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah. this man does not understand my mind, first of all. And number two, what he doesn't understand is if there's no food on the shelves, it doesn't matter if you're going in there with a bank card cash or your food stamps, exactly. you're not eating. Exactly. This is the reality. And people don't normally see a friend of mine who uh, founded one of the largest private military companies in the world always talks to me about normalcy bias. He says, Jason, 
normalcy bias is is the problem that people think that tomorrow is going to be just like today because today right. is just like yesterday and everyone has normalcy bias i i shared on facebook as a joke a couple weeks ago everyone needs to stop all this fear-mongering about we're gonna go you're gonna go broke and you're gonna go hungry like money comes from the government and food from the store and they're both still open and then in the comment thread people were like yes then what yes you get it why are you upset i'm like that was a joke like <laughs> i was joking yeah yeah money doesn't come from the government and food does not come from the store people are sheep man 99 percent they're like yeah that's where food's made i, I presume is in the store because that's where i get it it's like no you don't understand like Literally, the long-term ramifications of this thing are everyone loses. This thing was cooked up by Gates and maybe Fauci, who, uh, you know, Gates has said he wants the world population at three-fifths of what it, what it currently is, right? He wants to kill off two-fifths of the world's population. This might do it. I mean, this would be the winning stroke. It's not even a conflict of interest. It's the effectuation of an interest. Right. I, I mean, how about this? Let me ask you this because we're, we're about out of time or both of you guys this because, Dave, you haven't said anything in a while. I, we're both Trump boosters. <laughs> we all three of us are Trump boosters. Good I love out. Trump. Aside from the fact that the wall's not built on a southern border, you know, we're a couple of Californians that wall needs to get built. Um, the, but but more than that, even the the in, in, the emplacement of Fauci. And the unreined in, um, you know, free freewheeling nature of Fauci's place with regard to the Trump administration has been a disappointment, right? I mean, we have to we have to be can't be partisan. We have to be honest. And it's like I love I love President Trump, but why Fauci? Right? He's been there through five admins. Why is this guy not um, disemplaced? Uh, he, he's he's it's creepy. I don't. I'm I'm disappointed in that. Love Trump hate that you guys go <laughs> i'm waiting on you jason all right so this is what i'd say about that i'm 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 disappointed as well but i'll tell you what i'm grateful for i'm grateful for roger severino at the department of justice who issued a statement early on yeah. that said if the elderly are denied ventilators based on age or the sicker they're going to be prosecuted can you imagine if we didn't have that that from so personnel is policy? I'm grateful for the political appointments at the State Department and USAID that are Great. fighting for Africa, that are fighting for the you know, I, I talk to a lot of my friends in the entertainment industry who have this prejudice against Trump. And I'm saying, Do you realize that his political appointees are single handedly battling for the survival of the vulnerable in Africa? And we need to start a Black Lives Matter in Africa too campaign because <laughs> the shutdown they're saying, oh, you know, all of these news stories uh, that COVID disproportionately affects African-Americans or Polynesians. Then you look in the details and you're like, this can be accounted for, I think, for sample size, a lot of it. Um, but but what's going to happen? So here's the thing. I'm so grateful for his political appointees. But yes, I think in the next two weeks, we're going to have the, the president is going to have to deal with Fauci. And that you just the, the way I describe it is this: if you're being abused by your stepfather, and your father doesn't, you know, and your father does nothing about it. If you're being abused by your governors, maybe this is a bad. All analogies break down. Maybe this is a bad analogy, but my but my point is, 
we're being abused by our governors, by our mayors, uh, by distant. Uh, I was really elect. I was really arrested, not because of the will of my mayor, my governor, the chief of police, those police officers. I was arrested because of the will of Fauci and Bill Gates. Right. I was arrested because of the communists, the CCP infiltrated WHO. Distant, unelected right. bureaucrats had me shoved in a police car last week. Our president needs to break the, the link um, of influence that literally led to me in a police car. Right. Uh, subsidiarity is the most important of the, to me of the five whole life principles. Because when you break... Um, when distant, unelected bureaucracies have no way of controlling the person, you cannot have totalitarianism, modern totalitarianism. So we need to empower those um, local government and our states. And the president needs to push, like he's, he's used, the rhetoric's good, but the reality is I was still arrested. And I will win my lawsuit, you know, after I was, we're doing these protests every Friday. After my initial arrest, we got a letter. We, my lawyer worked with the governor, the mayor, and the chief of police's lawyer to get a letter signed by their lawyers saying that we can do these protests every Friday without having to wear masks. And although they encouraged it, but you don't have to, they will not arrest us. I shouldn't have had to be arrested for that to happen. And now I'm suing the city, the mayor. I'm suing the mayor, the governor, the chief of police, the arresting officers, and the officer commander on duty. None of that had to happen. None of that had to do with what any of them wanted or what I wanted. It had to do with what Fauci wanted, Gates wanted. Who are they to me? Like, really, right. who are they to me? Right. And why does the Bill of Rights, there's no asterisk on our Bill of Rights that says, oh, and except in case of a virus, you have the right to freedom of association. Um, and that's what we're being treated like. You know, that you had to get um, permission to go and do a protest. This is America. There's no asterisk that says, oh, if there's a, a virus outbreak, then the freedom of association is absolutely curtailed and you need permission of your local overlord to, in order to exercise the constitutional right. Right? I, that, and, that, yeah. Can I interrupt you real quick on that note? Look at how childhood disease had ravaged us, how disease ravaged us before antibiotics and modern sanitation. Like yeah, polio. Like there's <laughs> nothing that we are facing that we can compare to just what was a good year at the time of the founding. Right, you know, they, they should have been cowering in their houses, never letting their kids outside. Right, but they didn't even have antibiotics at that point. No, yeah, yeah they didn't have vaccinations at that point, and they had real diseases to contend with. You have things like smallpox and polio, uh, things that aren't really concerns for us today. They didn't, have, they didn't have running water. They didn't have electricity to boil water. I mean, think of what they had to deal with. Look, if you're under fifty, right? If you're under fifty years old. And you don't have a pre-existing pulmonary or heart condition. You're not, you're not extra weak. You're a healthy person. Your odds, if you contract coronavirus, are 1 in 20,000 of dying from it. If you're under 40 years old, I still qualify. I'm just under. And you have no pre-existing conditions. Your odds are 1 in 50,000 of dying from it. If you get... If you contract it. One, you find out... Well, right now, social justice warriors are yelling at you. It's right. not about you. It's not about you. Yeah. Okay, the old people can stay home, right? Like the social justice warriors take note. Yes, I agree. It's 
first of all, it's not just all about me, but it's about the common good. And the common good is undermined when no one can go to work and earn a paycheck and all mom and pop businesses are being run out of business and going bankrupt because no one can do that most basic human right of just work for sustenance. So it's not about me, but there are less draconian measures that can be implemented. And there needs to be political pushback. This is where in Rules for Retrogrades, the book, we talk about, don't talk about, you know, there's going to be the awakening of the sleeping dragon and people are so fed up and uh, because there's almost never any political reprisals because American voters are so stupid that they rather, rather than going out and protesting and putting their blood and honor and treasure on the line, they'd rather go and watch the next television show about sex or whatever. So there need to be political reprisals. This governess in Michigan, the the little she-tyrant up there, needs to be driven out of office, you know, trying to show what a powerful woman she is by standing up to these protesters who are just demanding the right to go back to work. And she's going to keep extending into perpetuity this stay-at-home order. She needs to get thrown on her little tookus out of office at the next and in election. And there have to be people rising up, and people don't naturally rise up at the rule for retrograde, which means people, if you're a leader in your community, direct others to rise up. Go ahead, Jesus. And, and people need to go to prison. Like this is a, The reason yeah. I'm titling our documentary Hell to Pay is I want to exact retribution. Yeah. I want to exact retribution. Look, this is the perfect snowflake social justice warrior global coup it is a passive aggressive uh daring it is audacious attempt at totalitarian world rule done by soft weak people that wear sweater vests i mean that's what we're suffering (laughs) they need to suffer the consequences we need a global we need a nuremberg like trial i agree we need to go to prison at the least we need to exact retribution and these are petty tyrants, and they are going to be killing people. They are killing people. Well, you know, we're hearing stories every day of the, the, the suicides. Now some of the people are sharing their stories. I'm working now at getting representatives from different African governments uh, to start doing media tours to tell how this is impacting them. Because on the, the mainstream media, every day they find the one 27-year-old who had a pre-existing condition they don't tell you about and who is fighting for their life. That's the story they tell. They don't tell the story about the 12-year-old kid who hung himself or the Air Force cadet who killed, committed suicide or the small restaurant owner in Florida who committed suicide. They're not telling you those stories. We need to tell, we need to tell our own stories. People do not know the real cost. And, um, and the one thing I'd like to do a little commercial here at Gordon Brothers, we need influential people that are watching the show. Bishops, people who work closely and influence bishops. Uh, lawyers and doctors, stop whispering. So right. filmmakers like me are out there alone. No, we need, the, the more influential you are, you need to cash in all your chips now. Don't put your finger in the air and think, is it safe now? Right. You know, oh, I'm with you. It's like my in Hollywood, I get all these people to come up to me and say, hey, I'm pro-life, but I can't tell anyone. But one day, one day I'm going to work with you. I'm like, yeah, you know when you work with me? When your career is over and no one else will work with you, then you'll come to me and say, let's make a pro-life movie. Right. And I'm not going to want to work with you. Okay. How do you think 
Yeah. How do you think doctors Masihi and Erickson feel right now? They're getting slowly. They're getting some more support from other doctors who are making video, angry doctors making videos saying we're being told to add COVID-19 to the death reports. We're being incentivized monetarily to do this. But except they're probably like, dude, stand up with me. This is exactly Dr. Masihi said in that video that the follow up video was amazing. He's like this. This is not scholarly, right? There's not a wit of collegial uh, doctor advice here. There's not a bit of collegial uh, medical uh, professionality in this. They are attacking us personally. We've been attacked. We've had our names dragged through the mud. They're going to be trying to take away their license in California in a couple months. Watch. They're already gearing up for that. And there's not a wit of data. He's like, hey, show me your data. If you're another doctor and I'm errant, Show me where my data's off so I don't... That, that's what colleagues do. And like, hey, yeah. I want you to look at my numbers. Their numbers were great, though. They took more data of their own, like 6,000 cases here in Bakersfield. They did it as a community service. You would like these guys, Jason. They're, they are mentors. Well, yeah, I've, I've, been watching them. I've been watching them everywhere. And you know, there's a doctor in, that I know who's a Democrat, who is, a, is sort of a traditional guy, reserved guy, and I asked him, I said, Doc, what do you think this is? And this is what my doc, this doctor told me. He said, Jason, I've been researching this. I, it's a scheme. The only thing I can really come to the conclusion of is that this is an attempt at totalitarian globalism. This is a reserved Democrat governor, I mean a doctor, who said, Jason, I, I see this as some sort of pandemic. You know, that's what he was basically saying. And I said, why don't you say that? He goes, I'll be destroyed. I'm like, aren't you going to be destroyed anyways? You know, aren't you going to be so these doctors need to speak up. These lawyers need to speak up. People with influence, the more influential you are, the more responsibility. There's so many people that want to lead or they want to follow from the front. You know, they want to pretend they're leaders, but they really get in front of the crowd. And when there's confusion and fear and cost, they cower, they hide, they peek around and they're looking for their opportunity to uh, speak out. Even in Hawaii, there's a someone has a position in the white Republican Party is sending incessant emails attacking me for what I'm doing. People are, are you upset? I'm like, this guy is digging himself his own grave because, you know, this, the, the truth about this, the, the real cost of the people of Hawaii is going to be revealed soon enough. And uh, so, you know, he's going to dig his own grave. I'll let him keep digging. He thinks he's digging my grave. And when he's done digging, I'm just going to push him in and fill up the hole. But uh, we need people with influence to speak up. And I know you guys have an influential audience that, you know, you guys are sitting there at home, you're agreeing with everything we're saying, but have you written a letter to your editor? Have you written your local governor? Have you done a radio interview? Like, this is what we need to start saying. Amen. Right. People need to be kind of pushed to rise up. You know, it's not a natural human inclination to rise up despite what you see as temporal consequences coming down the pike when you add, when you are a lone voice or perhaps one of the few voices saying something that goes against the herd mentality. It's a scary thing for people to do because people are kind of naturally pack animals. They need to be asked to rise up. So I would say um, in um, coordinating with you, Jason, and with you, Tim, please, guys, rise up and make your voices heard. This is totally unjust. The response to this virus is totally unjust, and it's having real-world world consequences 
not on you know a few people here and there, but on basically everybody that's part of the the ninety nine percent as opposed to the one percent world elitist globalists. Yeah, we're out of time. Thanks, though. Everyone, rise up. This is this is. We, we, there's no doubt here. We, everyone knows we waited. It's it's mid May almost. It's time to rise up. Uh, Jason, keep picketing. We salute you, man. We'll always have you on the show anytime you want to come. I'm going to write that stream article next week. Thank God, you. Let's, let's keep uh, linking arms, man. I like this. This is good. <laughs> keep reading those uh, Pantene bottles. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read a Pantene bottle since this was invented. You know what I'm talking about, people of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Way to end the yeah. show. That's right. I only sort of know what you guys are talking about. You do not know what we're talking eat about. Eat your bottles. Yeah, you guys are making the jokes. I was researching something. Before Tim was always a pert plus man. Read your shampoo bottles because it has something to do with COVID nineteen. That's today's show. You guys have a good <laughs> afternoon. Peace.